0: Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia is the first social enterprise organization based in Wadsworth, UK. Aspire to Inspire is raising awareness of dyslexia and other specific learning difficulties. We hear so much about male entrepreneurs, but where are the women? I thought it was about time we showcased more fantastic female dyslexic social entrepreneurs. Elizabeth was diagnosed with dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia and Irwin syndrome and went on to set up Aspire to Inspire after identifying a gap in support services. Now, does that sound like a familiar story? In this podcast, we speak about all things dyslexia and what life is like running a social enterprise. This is a fun podcast, and I hope you enjoy it.
1: Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for coming on the show today. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Because this is the first time we're uh, meeting (laughs) and where you grew up in the UK.
2: Yes, I was. I was born in the UK, but when I was um, the age of two, my parents took me back to Ghana, which is in West Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went to primary school in Ghana um, from the age of about, I don't know, maybe four till the age of about 11. I came back when I was like 11, 12. Um, So dyslexia is something that no one would have ever picked up when I was at primary school in Africa. But I knew that I was different from all the rest of the children because learning, and up till now, learning in itself is a massive, big struggle for me. Whether it's instructions that's on paper, or whether someone has said something and I haven't quite grasped it, so they have to repeat. A lot of things are repeated to me. It's when I came back in the UK and I went again, even secondary school, it wasn't picked up. Um, my reading age, um, I didn't start reading to the age of about 15. Um, and I'm still struggling now to, to even read um, the basic things that are on paper. Um, so it has been a bit of a nightmare finding out that I had a condition called dyslexia. Although I would never change my brain for anything else if I had to swap it. <laughs>
1: So um, have you had any intervention or tutoring or anything to help you with your reading?
2: Um, To be honest with you, there are, I mean, I've got Clara Read, which I use sometimes. Um, I I don't know, I'm I'm a bit old fashioned, if I have to say. I do prefer to have a book in front of me. And I do like to use my finger to follow the lines as I read. I like to highlight. I like to fold the page. So, really, when it comes to people say, look, I should try and um, Kindle, uh, it doesn't really work for me. I can't flick the page, I can't fold it, I can't, you can highlight, but I like the feel of a paper. So, have I had technologist that's helped me? Probably Clara Reed, because it rings back to me. Clara yeah. Reed. I yeah. haven't
1: heard of that one. What about any? Um, have you ever had any tutoring or speech therapy or anything like that to help you?
2: I've had one to one. T- um, tutors. When I was at uni, I had one-to-one t- one tutors that would literally go through everything that's been taught in a class, and they have to break it down to very tiny little chunks, tiny little things. Otherwise, nothing sinks in my head. In terms of electrical stuff, they just don't work. Technology don't work for me because <laughs> I have to re- I have to read the instructions to know what to do, and that all becomes very overwhelming. Yeah, but um, yeah.
1: To be honest, I don't use a lot of technology apart from uh, Google Maps. I am starting to talk into my phone, though, to get the spelling of words when I just can't get it. And that's been, Mm -hmm. actually, that's been life-changing because I've been using that more and more recently. And because my vocabulary is so small, because I can't spell, it's exciting to be able to just do it myself now and not have to ask people how to spell.
2: Yes, yeah. Um, And I'm the same, to be honest with you. My spelling is... I can't even begin to tell you. Um, it's just atrocious. That's all I can say. But, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the most smallest words, like there, there, and there. And that is sometimes like, well, how do you spell, how do you spell them? all? so I get them all muddled up in the wrong sentence. Yeah. Um, some long words, I can break them into smaller chunks and be able to spell them because it's a longer word. But the very everyday words are just such a struggle and I think that's what a lot of people would think but it's so easy to spell and um, how
1: old were you when you were diagnosed with dyslexia how old was I mm.
2: I was 30 hold on, 32 years of age 32 oh yeah 32 I'm now 50
1: wow so yes when, you, when so, you came back to school they didn't
2: didn't diagnose you then from Ghana you know, no, because um, the thing is, it's a bit of a stigma in my community. Nobody wants to own up that something's wrong. So I didn't want to feel like something was wrong with me. And, and this is the honest truth. I wanted to fit in just like everyone else. Um, so even though teachers did pick up and thought, mm, this one here, there's a problem, I would always sort of be good at other things. I'm quite creative, very, very creative. You know, I'm not an artist or anything, but if you give me pieces of recycling bottles, I can build something for you. So I'm very creative in that sense. Um, So no one picked up on it. And I masked it really well, because I didn't want to be taken out of class for special lessons or anything like that. Um, It's just later on in life, I felt like, look, I'm sinking if I don't go for help. But I knew there was something wrong with me. No one would have diagnosed it as dyslexia until I was at the university. So I really struggled in the workplace. I kept going from one job to another, one job to another, knowing that something is still wrong, but what is it? But then it was, it, it, I didn't want to go to find out what it was because of a label, for example. Um, that had a devastating effect on my career. And in my home, because I wasn't progressing. No. Yeah. It just comes to a point <laughs> in your life where you just have to say, well, look, actually, I need help. And that's the place I was at.
1: And so were you at uni when you got that help?
2: or? I was at uni. It was one of my lecturers that, um, those days, we wrote assignments. 2001, 2002, we actually hand-wrote them, so you didn't submit them online, with have it in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's when I wrote the essay and she said, oh, um, I'm a bit confused with the way you've written because your Bs and Ds are facing, I mean, you're, you're meant to be writing maybe bed, but you've written dead instead, or you've written something that's not supposed to be written. So she said, I think you might want to go for a dyslexia assessment. And even at this point, I was still adamant, I thought, no, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm, I'm fine. Um, so then I, I was failing, I was really failing the education system, and I thought, I can't walk in this life always being a failure. I've got to be good at something. So um, in the end, I, I decided to go for the assessment, and that's when dyslexia was picked up. And was that expensive to get an assessment in the UK? To be honest, my university did it. A lot of, in the UK, some of the unis back in those days, they did the assessment for free. Yeah. So it didn't cost me anything. So that's why I thought, well, it's not going to cost me any money. Why don't I go for it? But even when I went for my assessment and it came back as dyslexia, I was still in denial. I just didn't want to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that's very common in my community. Yeah.
1: So what did you do after you were diagnosed?
2: So after I was diagnosed, I got the help that I needed. So I got a laptop, which um, helped me with like assignment writing, essay writing. And then um, I got the one-to-one support because every coursework that I was given, I was sort of scraping like a 30%. Nobody really goes to uni to get 30% for assignment. You might as well not turn up. (laughs) But I was really determined to finish uni with with a qualification so when I got the one-to-one support is when I started excelling so everything that's taught in class afterwards I would get pulled out and then I'll go with the one-to-one tutor and she'll break it all down for me then I'll understand it then I'll write my essays and that was my ticket to success.
1: Wow that's amazing and then you got was it a psych degree or social
2: work? No I did human I did combined on as human resource management Um, with sociology
1: right a good area to end up
2: working in well yes but that is another I've got another story around that because even when I finished and I graduated and I went into um to go into work for a very well-known governmental agency I didn't disclose my dyslexia because I felt that if I disclosed I won't get the job Mm. so you can imagine I went into the work and I was making loads of mistakes. Yeah. Um, so the, for that reason, I decided to leave. So I ended up back again with no work. Um, looking back now, I wear dyslexia with pride. I, you know, I, I say to people that I'm no longer ashamed of this hidden disability. It, I've got no, nothing to be ashamed about. Because if you get the help you need, you can excel.
1: Yeah, which is definitely our motto at my foundation is, you know, if we have the right tools in place, we can all uh, achieve and succeed to do what we want. And you're the perfect example
2: of that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and I didn't leave education just that, um, with my degree. I actually went on and did a, um, a PGCE, um, a professional um, certificate in education. And I'm hoping to go and do my master's. So the help is there. Yeah. You know, but without the assistive technology and the reasonable adjustments, I don't know where I'll be. And I'm, I'm sure there's so many undiagnosed dyslexics that are just walking around, maybe banging their head against brick wall because they don't know why they, they can't, you know, succeed in education. So um, I'm very grateful for my, one of my lecturers saying, I think you, you need to go for an assessment. And this is where we are.
1: And so, uh, when did you decide to come out loud and proud that you were dyslexic?
2: Wow. So, when I finished my professional graduate certificate, I was looking for work. So I went to my local job centre place where there's jobs advertised, and I was even struggling there to even put the applications together, application form together. So I remember speaking to one of the um, job coach, and I said, "Oh, do you give dyslexic support?" And she said, Well, we've got a disability advisor. And I thought, well, actually, that's not quite specific. So no one could help me. And I knew that I could do better and I could do more in terms of my career. So I thought I stood there and I said, Well, if there's no help here, I'm going to create one. And then I ended up setting up HY dyslexia, which was 2016. But at this point, I was like, Well, how do I tell people that I've got this condition? Because I don't want no one knowing. But the only way that I could help other people is by coming clean and say, look, I've got this condition and this is where I am. You can also succeed. This is the kind of help there is out there. And that's when I spoke about dyslexia, but it was very difficult for me because I didn't want to be judged. Yeah, I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to be labeled, but I had to have all those things in place. The judge, the label, the people looking different. I had to, go through that to be able to be where I am now.
1: Did anyone else come out after you said that in your family to say that they had the same challenges or are you the only one that you know of?
2: I'm the only one that's literally gone for help. Yeah. Um, I mean, dyslexia is genetic. So genetically, I'm sure some of my family might have this condition, but maybe they're not in a position to accept that it's real. Yeah. Um, I've met so many people, in in the kind of work I do and you know they they might even have the assessment and still in denial because of the shame or the stigma or people looking at you differently or people's perception because sometimes some people's perception is that dyslexics are not intelligent Mm. yeah but our iq is so high and such intelligent clever people you know but in my case If this interview we're doing, if I have to write it, you wouldn't get anything on that paper. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They'll just just be my name. (laughs) Yeah. And um, so
1: did you end up going into the workforce at all after you were diagnosed or did you just set your um, charity up
2: straight away? I did. I did. I went into the workplace. Um, I worked for a very large governmental agency in the UK I loved my job, dealing with people, because I worked in HR. But when it came to the administrative work, I was making loads of mistakes. And I had to leave. So I just kept leaving jobs. Until I thought, well, you can't keep leaving. You have to... What are you good at, Elizabeth? Use your strengths, what you're good at. And I'm good with people. So I decided, listen, I'm going to set up my own. But I even didn't have any I didn't have much money. I had like very little money at like one pound twenty-five in my bank account. Um, but I was still determined to to do something.
1: Yeah. And this so, is where we are
2: today.
1: Is that what gets you out of bed every morning? It's
2: what gets me up. At oh, I to love six. my job. <laughs> yeah. I love what I do. I mean HY dyslexia has made me who I am today. And I absolutely love my job. And there's not many people out there that can say they love what they do.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about hy dyslexia? How do you get funding and
2: support? So hy dyslexia, we um, in the borough that I'm in, which is the Wandsworth Barra, we're probably the only dyslexia organisation supporting adults dyslexics. Mm. We do children as well. The local authority does children. We do children as well as adults, and we just find that people are travelling all over to come and see us because. We offer support in employability, we offer support in education, and also as startups. So the three areas where I was really struggling to, to succeed, I just thought, look, there's got to be people who are also struggling in this area. Those three areas, people will come to us and say, look, I need help, and you are Googled, and you're the only local place I can find and they'll just come and it's face to face it's not online we work very old-fashioned way so the people will come and see us i normally say to people if you can't send that email ring me not many places ring you know people say email all the time mm. but we we'll say email we'll say send a voice note if you've got a question we we'll make it easier for dyslexics to communicate
1: yeah we're one of the only ones in australia that have a 1-800
2: number Oh wow! So
1: people can call. Yeah.
2: Yes, absolutely. Because there's no point sending someone who's severe dyslexic an email. They're not even going to look at it. Yeah. But I love my job. Like, I mean, I can't wait in the morning to get up to go to work. But where we get funding, we get funding from local charities. Um, we get funding from some um, councils. Um, we get funding from. We get donations sometimes. And it's just, we're just growing. I mean, we started in 2016 with one client on our books. And now we've got almost over 500 clients on our books. Wow, that's amazing. Including children. Honestly. And it's just, I just love the job satisfaction of seeing someone coming to you and saying, look, I'm failing in the education system. And then getting them to have a dyslexia assessment and going back with that assessment to uni or college or school, the children and seeing that person excelling with like we've had clients with first class degrees we've had children that were failing but now on top of the class because now that they've got the assessment they can get reasonable adjustment and learn Hmm. better and that for me is my job satisfaction
1: that's amazing. So we both started at the same time actually in 2016, but I'm still working in a day job. I haven't been able to move into oh. my <laughs> Yeah,
2: I know it's oh, very it's serious, sad, it? But... <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean it got it hasn't always been plain sailing. There's been times where it was really tough in terms of wages for me. Yeah. For example. I believed in, in A to dyslexia. I believed in the organization. I believed in what we were doing. So I would struggle. It was real struggle at times. And I had to go and get a second job. Yeah. Um, and here we are. At the moment, I'm here full time. But if I have to get a second job, it will make life a bit easier, if I have to be honest. Yeah. yeah. But um, I just can't see myself working anywhere else <laughs> but doing what I'm doing, yeah. So the, the funding comes on lots of charities. It's just a lot of social media presence have really got us to, to where we are.
1: Yeah, same with us. I guess neither of us ever thought we'd be social entrepreneurs. How does that feel for you now?
2: I just absolutely, I just can't put it into words. It's just the most amazing feeling to know that I can utilise the strengths I have to be able to have an impact in people's lives. It's just unbelievable.
1: What type of support would you have? Because, I mean, running a business is really hard, (laughs) yeah <laughs> it's like we have <laughs> to be we have to be across everything from finance to marketing to trying to you know bring money into the business to supporting staff yeah. we have a lot of virtual mm. staff um mm. doing everything so how do you manage all of that when um you really struggle with your reading and i read also you've just been diagnosed with dyscalculia i can never say cool, yeah everything.
2: yeah so um, yes.
1: <laughs> I've got dysgraphia. I don't know which. if you know what that dis is. <laughs>
2: so, um, I think so. Is that to do with the handwriting, dysgraphia?
1: Yeah, and getting your thoughts on paper. So I'm quite severely impaired in my writing.
2: Um, oh, right.
1: Yeah, so I've got dyslexia mm. and dysgraphia. So how do you manage day-to-day? Because running a business is big
2: business. So in the UK, there is something called access to work. And that's for people who have got barriers into work. For example, if you've got a disability. Now I call dyslexia disability. Some people call it learning difference. Mm. For me, it's not. A, it's a proper disability for me because everything takes ten times longer. So, for example, I've got a support worker who works with me, oh, and fantastic. she would manage. Yeah, she manages my emails, and she would sort of um anything I want to write, I would say it, and she transcribe it for me. She'll check my spellings. So she supports us. And of course, when we get funding, our projects are kind of, um, we get people to come in and deliver um, a lot of the work. We have an accountant who would do all the maths, um, who we will pay ourselves. But um, with a lot of our assessments, when we um, get the assessment and the screening and the one-to-one support, whatever money comes in yearly, we'll pay for our accountant. So I don't have to do everything. Right. But, my one-to-one support would um, sometimes check my tweets mm-hmm. and she would send it. Um, there's something called Hoot Suite, so mm-hmm. everything goes to one place and then it just goes off, really. So I do have someone who will proofread everything that, that I do. We're just hoping to get bigger funding so we can have more staff. Yeah. We can pay more staff from um, some kind of big lottery or something. And we're working on that at the moment. So we don't some of my questions. social media, I might even do that myself sometimes, at like weekends. And if it's incorrectly spelled, then then so be it. <laughs> yes.
1: yes. So my mum normally calls me and says, "Shay, have you read that? Go back and fix it. There's mistakes in it." i like, "Oh, mum, <laughs> I'm being my true self." <laughs> <soul. laughs>
2: yes, of course. Yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. well, that's um. That's really exciting because in Australia we don't really have those type of services. So I don't get a support worker oh. to help me. Gee, I wish I did. That's oh. my mum normally or my partner.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could you could read up on access to work. It's like if um if you've got an impairment or disability, you are, you know, you could apply for that. Mm. And dyslexia does stop me from going into work. It's yeah. a barrier to work for me. Um and that's been great with the support work of it goes through everything i mean she's absolutely fabulous she's a right she writes so she's good with writing whilst i'm good with the words hmm. so together we'll, we'll make it work
1: so how many days a week would you have access to a support
2: worker uh, four day, four days a week
1: four days for a full hmm. day yeah wow that's amazing <laughs> gee i wish yeah, i had a support
2: I'm... worker <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she she would help me go through everything and spelling mistakes and she'll remind me of my appointments, the organization, things like that. Yeah. And because so otherwise can... there's no way I could manage. But mm. I mean, as we make profits, say like we're making a lot of money in the company, then obviously I can employ somebody to do all the administrative tasks and, and things like that as well. Yeah. Well sorry, we also get loads of volunteers coming by the way. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. Oh.
2: so people that are retired or they're in between jobs and they just need some kind of experience. Mm-hmm. So if they've got knowledge of um, bookkeeping, then why not? Yeah, you know, and if they've got knowledge of um, how to maybe teach some of the young children with maybe um, a DBS clearance and ex teachers, why not? Um, mm-hmm. So we ah. get lots of volunteers who come in to support as well. Yeah, then if somebody needed, let's say, a consultation there's no way we could do it. I could do it over the internet or the phone because we don't, I don't have it I don't, I'm, I'm not good with technology so we only work locally and within London and the outskirts mm-hmm. internationally I wouldn't even know where to begin yeah I mean what what, what you've done us in this podcast connection I wouldn't have a clue
1: well to be honest I just I'd, never, I'd only listened to about three podcasts when I decided to set the podcast up, and that's how we grew into a national organisation. But I just went, yeah. we need something like this in Australia that gives adults a voice, and that's how it started. And, I mean, this is uh, my 30, probably, fourth recording. We record one, and uh, we, I record them in bulk and then release them over the year. Uh, okay. So, yeah, we have an international listening now which I would I remember when someone listened to our first one and I rang my mum crying going oh my gosh someone's listened to our podcast
2: oh and that's yeah. amazing now it's have really had
1: 7000 downloads so
2: this is very inspiring I mean whenever there is a dyslexia something I'm like what is it I want to find out more because um it's a condition that's very complex and difficult to explain you know um, when I was working for an organisation, they said, but yesterday you did that. Why can't you do it today? I don't know. I can't spell it today. I spelled it yesterday. I can't explain why. You know, so and if you're not careful, you get, you get labelled something like lazy. Mm, you know. No. We're not lazy. We're just, the brain's just not working from time to time. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so
1: have you ever, um, has your dyslexia ever impacted on your mental health and well-being? or have you been able
2: to manage that? Oh no, no. Um, When I was working for the governmental agency, um, of course I hadn't disclosed dyslexia. So I went into deep depression. I went into a very deep depression because I was scared to disclose my disability. And I was also scared to not disclose my disability because I was caught in between. I thought if I tell them, It's like you've been deceitful. And if I don't tell them, I'm not performing. So I I went into a very deep depression. In the end, I had to leave. So I left with no job. And you can imagine what impact that had on me with three Mm. children and no job. Um, So it has had a, a, a huge impact on me. But now that I'm able to talk freely about this condition, I just feel liberated. I'm like, it's okay. And I really don't care what anybody thinks. You know? If yeah. people have got their perception, then that's up to them. But I'm here to tell the world that even having dyslexia shouldn't stop anyone from achieving.
1: Well, I'm glad it's nice to have other voices like us
2: <laughs>
1: pushing the same message. Do you think you'd ever expand out to Ghana?
2: Right. Now, I, I, I want to, but the awareness, there has to be some kind of awareness because people don't really get dyslexia, and particularly in my community. A lot of people say, well, what's that? And if you try to explain it, it's like, oh, come on. It's no biggie, is it? People just need to try harder. So the, breaking that barrier for people to understand that there is a condition called dyslexia. And that it's real, and it can impact on your life. It can either make you or break you. I don't know if you would agree.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the and, research and it's tells real.
2: that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, mm. yeah. I mean, there's three ways I could have gone. I could have either remained on unemployment benefit or I mean I know statistically there's a lot of people in prison that have got dyslexia because they haven't been diagnosed or they've gone into some kind of criminal something there's a there's some huge research on that Mm -hmm. or you can become a social entrepreneur and run your own business because of the amazing creative brain that we have
1: yeah it's scary that we only have three choices isn't it (laughs) 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 but you're right, the amount of people in the prison system is just phenomenal. with yeah. But in Australia, we've had the lack of awareness, and that's the three years that I've been doing this now. Before, oh, wow. And I mean, I mm. work full time still doing this. is um It's because there's been a lack of awareness of the impact on young people and adults. And so we've just spent oh, wow. years campaigning just to raise that awareness before we've even been able to start to really bring in any funding.
2: I can imagine. I mean, in the UK, to be honest with you, we're very lucky to have an organisation called the British Dyslexia Association, mm, and yes. they campaign on behalf of dyslexics, and they do amazing work, amazing work, because they do all the statistics, and they do like, for example, how many people are fixed, how many people should, you know, go for the help, and the support is out there, and if you're in trouble, you can contact them. So we're very blessed. So it's very well recognized in the UK.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. well recognized over here too. I'm hoping to do
2: a podcast with the CEO. Oh, bless. Yeah. I think without the British Dyslexia Association, on the, all the research they've done on um, how many people it affects, how many people are unemployed, the cost of having dyslexia, and it's not sort of taken care of. And they bring all these statistics out. It's made the government realize, well, actually, we need to do something about this. Yeah. You know, we're not 100% there yet because there are still people falling through the education system we still have people come to us and say well look, i'm not going to wait any longer i'm not waiting a year to get my daughter assessed i'll just come in, i'll just pay for it yeah um school should pay but if they can't if, if it's not got to your child's turn parents are coming straight to us and paying for it and once they've got their diagnosis then the school has to help mm. yeah. yeah so we are very blessed to to be able to um Get the help and support we need and, and I'm a typical example where would I be if it wasn't for the support I got
1: yeah your story is amazing it's like everything we advocate for in Australia I mean you're just you're the gold standard of you know how we could be if you know we're able to help people then you know yeah. we don't want three people to have three choices <laughs> we want them to have multiple yes. choices in life absolutely and not limited. absolutely yeah so is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners or that might be struggling at school or at work before we finish up our fantastic podcast today? I've learned so much.
2: Um, okay, now I'll start with schools. For example, parents, any parent that might be listening to this. If you feel that your child is not actually progressing in, 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 in their education and they're struggling, you know, I'm not saying that every child that struggles may have dyslexia. But if you can see telltale signs in the teacher, maybe you go for parents evening, the teacher says, well, actually, I'm a bit concerned with this child here with the way they're learning. The first thing I will say to any parent listening to this podcast, seek help. Seek help in the sense that, for example, in the UK, you can go to the, the SENCO, the Special Educational Needs Coordinator, I think they're called. And you can put forward to them that, look, I think I'm a bit concerned about my child. If in your family, your mum or dad may have had dyslexia or have got dyslexia, it's very likely that one of your children might pick that up. So do go for the help. If you go for the assessment and the child doesn't have dyslexia, dyspraxia or specific learning difficulties, then bingo, you know it's not dyslexia. If a child can get that, if I would have got help at the age of let's say seven, eight or nine, my mental state would have been a lot better than where I was. There are days I've got so low that I didn't know where to turn. And I didn't understand why my sisters are excelling, but I'm falling behind in everything I do. So I would strongly say to parents, please seek the help. And it's okay to have a label. I normally say it's fine because with those labels, you can get the help you need. Some may agree, some may disagree. So that's the message for parents. If you're an adult and you're in the workplace, you're struggling and you think actually i don't understand anything that's written on paper i'm really struggling please speak to your hr department because the worst the last thing you want to do is leave it and struggle in silence because that can bring on a lot of mental health issues which i have i've had my fair share of depression mood swings low moods low self-esteem i've had all that and i don't wish it on anybody so i would say speak to your hr department alternatively if you feel, you, you wouldn't know if you've got dyslexia. I, I knew it from day one. I knew there was something wrong with me. And maybe if I hadn't ended up at uni, I probably wouldn't have done a private diagnosis because something didn't add up. So if you have intuition that you might, go for the assessment. If you are, then you can get the help in the workplace or university or college. If you're not, then at least you know. And that's the advice, don't leave it too late. Because the longer you leave it, the worse it, ha- it affects your health. The impact it has is just unbelievable. And I don't wish anybody to go through what I've been through with my conditions. Yeah. Because I have, I have dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, and um, Erlen syndrome with visual stress. Mm-hmm. And the maths bit, it's it's overwhelming. I can't tell the time. I can't measure distances. You know, I don't know what, I don't understand the concept of maths. But yeah, I'm running an organisation. I mean, how inspiring is that? Extremely. Extremely. So sometimes I I, I will pay someone to do it for me. I said, look, I don't know how to do bookkeeping. Can I pay you this money? How much? Can you pay somebody? And they'll do that for you. Richard Branson. I've got people working around him. Um, if you don't, we're not all going to be perfect in everything. There is, I have weaknesses, more weaknesses than strengths. So I always say, look, I'm looking for someone to read over my work. If, if I have to get second or third person. And don't struggle on your own. Because the worst thing you want is for your self-esteem and confidence to go. And that's the place where I, where I was at. So in a nutshell, please seek the help and get the help you need. And believe me, there was your oyster.
1: That is a fantastic uh, way to end this inspirational podcast. And I would love to uh, stay in contact with you, Elizabeth, to learn what more about what you're doing and how um, us female social entrepreneurs with dyslexia who, you know, there's not a lot out there. We see a lot of Richard Branson and Jamie Oliver and... Yeah, yeah. A lot of other male entrepreneurs but we don't see and hear a lot of from the female side so it's really exciting to be able to showcase your story and uh, just for Australian listeners if you're struggling with mental health there's beyond blue or lifeline and if you'd like extra help um, or you need to talk to someone that has dyslexia feel free to call our one number and one because the UK has a lot of amazing stuff which we're trying to build but if you need some help please give us a call But thank you so much for your time, Elizabeth, and thank you for hanging in there with the technology and working it through with me so we could do this podcast. I greatly appreciate it. And it would be great to have you on the show another time. Maybe we could do a segment on mental health and wellbeing and um, our stories seem very similar in that sense, so how we've um, built our resilience over
2: time. Of course, yeah, of course. I mean, there are days still now that I go to the office and I sit in front of my PC and I think, where do I begin? If my one-to-ones, they're great. She'll help me, I'll support worker. It's not every time that she's going to be available. There are times when she's off because she needs time off. Um, <laughs> and then I'm, I'm stuck, you know, and I thought, what do I do now? Even though I've got my dragon and I've got inspirational and my mapping and all the tech they give you, sometimes they don't even work. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you, you just, just need a there. human. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You need someone to say, well, actually, I get that. and and help you with it but i would say to any dyslexic listening don't give up you know don't give up on whatever path you decide to take because there is there is a light under that tunnel i mean first of all i say own it if you own it and you accept that there is a condition called dyslexia and you you want you do have this condition you can seek help and people are very accommodating especially in the uk now I've gone back to banks and I've said, so I've got dyslexia, can you help me? And no one helped me. We've got a
1: bit of a way to go in Australia, but hopefully we get, get to where the UK is at some point in the near future. Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you so thank much you. for coming on the show.
0: I really greatly appreciate it and I look forward to talking to you soon. So take care. Thank you. To find out more about Elizabeth and aspire to inspire dyslexia, head to the Dear Dyslexic website. If you haven't already done so yet, make sure you sign up to our mailing list so you can keep up to date with everything we do at The Foundation. Head to deardyslexic.com. And don't forget, if there's anything you've heard today that was distressing, please call Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 or Lifeline on 13 11 14. If there is a topic you would like discussed on the show, please email us, admin at ddyslexic.com. Bye for now.